Voices are exotic dancers enter one by one. Make love to all of your orifices in your seduction. Hello and welcome to Ear Seduction. I'm your host, Paul Schilling. Today we're going to talk to a fundamentalist Christian flat earth believer, believe it or not. And we're going to get into a little bit of an in-depth discussion with him. Back in 2018, I went to the Flat Earth Conference uh, with hopes of speaking with just such a person. And then I wanted to report it to you, my listeners, so that you too could understand the insanity that is fundamentalist, creationist, Christianity, and really all forms of Christianity, if we're going to be honest with ourselves. But Matthew, who's the gentleman who spoke at the Flat Earth Conference, was nice enough to take time to describe his worldview with us and to talk about what it is to be a Flat Earther and why he is a Flat Earther. Now, one of the interesting things about Matthew and the reason why I decided to have his interview be a separate podcast was his his very interesting connections to my previous fundamentalist Christian guest, Nathan Spears. If you listen to the way Matthew talks and the things that he says, he uses words like worldview, which is something that Nathan used, although Matthew's a little more honest about where he gets his worldview than Nathan was. And he has very much the same underpinnings for why he believes what he believes. Nathan refers to the fall of man, as in the story of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden in the Old Testament. Matthew refers directly to the Bible as if it's a literal word of God, meaning that what it says in there is literal. Now, Nathan doesn't go that far. Nathan, in fact, wasn't a flat earth uh, believer, but that's a negation of what his book says. Matthew, in this interview, very clearly demonstrates that the book does say that the earth is flat, and therefore Matthew's belief is slightly more fundamentalist. Now, this is an interesting theme that you should probably start to recognize with the religious people people in the world. Many, many religious people in the world claim to be devout, and they claim to be able to be good people because of their book. But if you if you read their books, and I've read all of, all of the religious texts, all of the Abrahamic religions, I've read every single word of every of all of those books. If you read all of those books, and I, I encourage you to, it's the degree to which they reject those religious texts, that they are actually good people in the world. So the less they follow those texts, the better they will be, the better people they will be. If you want to be a good person, you have to do so little of what's in those books to actually succeed. And the more you reject those books, the better person you will be. And the more you uh, accept secular reasoning, logic, morality, and so on, the better you will be. The more of a humanist you are, the better of a person you will be. The more scientific your worldview becomes, the better of a person you'll be. Now, these people, and Nathan demonstrated this in his interview, but these these folks, these Christians, they claim that their book is the arbiter of truth, that it's where they get their morality, and so on. But when you ask them about it, they always bring forth a scientific, modern understanding of the world. They're not not quoting the Bible. Funny that, isn't it? And if they are quoting the Bible, because some of them do, in fact, quote the Bible, immediately you'll have an issue that has to be resolved, and they will resolve it by spinning something. They try to spin some good out of what is clearly just a horrid, horrid text. Now that I've muddied the waters sufficiently, let's talk directly to Matthew. Let's find out what he believes. And then after the show, or after the interview, I'm going to go over a few of the things that Matthew said that were directly related to what Nathan said. But for now, let's listen in to Matthew, the flat earth 
evangelist. So we're, uh, my name is Paul. Good to meet you, Paul. Nice to meet Matt. you. Matt, yeah. and this is Chauncey. Hey, man. So you flew in today, or? I flew in yesterday. Okay. Yeah. And you flew in just for this, or did, else, yeah. did you do some skiing? Or? Nah, just this. Yeah? yeah? Okay. So what brought you here? I mean, what's... Well, I'm speaking. Um, You're one of the speakers, yep. okay. But I probably would have come even if I wasn't speaking. So um, the, uh, the Flat Earth Conference, it's a group of a bunch of people that share the same beliefs that a lot of them, unlike me, I talk to everybody about it, but a lot of them don't get to talk about it very much. And so for them to get to come and be around other people that they can really kind of be themselves when a lot of them kind of stay in the closet for the most most of, most of the time it's it's a really great um, it's a really good atmosphere and it's a bunch of great people just in general you know yeah everybody's been really friendly that, that is the one thing about flat earthers that like they are so nice like they're so inviting I think it's the open mind um, the the willingness to share um, uh, allow others to speak and listen it's it's a true characteristic of, of these kind of people now you're you're a speaker here today is that right yes yeah yeah I, I Actually, I speak tomorrow, but, but yeah. Okay. What is, what is your topic? Um, I'm speaking. Um, I do something called the Flat Earth Podcast with a buddy of mine named David Weiss, who goes by Deep Inside the Rabbit Hole. I have a channel called Flat Worth, um, playing off Fort Worth. And so we're doing a topic on how to speak to friends and family about Flat Earth because it is it is the most ridiculous thing that someone could believe in. And so it is it is hard to approach your friends and family about it if if it's something that you want them to know about. And most Flat Earthers think it's really important and want their friends and family to know about it and usually get ridiculed from their friends and family because, again, it's it's the stupidest thing someone can believe in, right? Until you genuinely look into it and realize that there is... There's not very much that we can prove down here ourselves about the world that we live in, okay? And you're going to have to take someone's advice or take information from somewhere, from a screen or from someone of authority that tells you we live on a spinning ball because we don't experience that every day, okay? And and so the question is, who are you going to believe? Flat earthers don't believe science with a capital S, and they don't believe NASA and the space agencies. But Sorry, what is that mean science with a capital S? Okay, so there, there's a difference between science and scientism. Okay, so science, repeatable, measurable science, empirical science, is the act of putting out a theory, testing it, and not having a, a, an agenda with it. Okay, and then you have to go with what the results say. Scientism is the act of removing God from this whole thing. And scientism uh, reaches into all aspects of, of science, not just cosmology or creation, but also, you know, biology, um, geology, you know, we all, we all have the same evidence. Okay. Um, the thing is everyone's going to approach a topic with their own worldview. Okay. I have a biblical worldview, so I'm going to approach it. And if something, if there's a theory out there that makes sense and aligns with what I deem as truth, then I'm going to go with that theory. And, and I'm going to go with it until I feel like it's disproved. Now, there are people that approach this thing with, you know, believe in evolution, things like that, things that my Bible disagrees with, okay? But when you look at fossils and things like that, I'm going to say that was all laid down in Noah's flood. Someone else is going to say, no, that was laid down over millions and millions of years of non-catastrophic processes, okay? Same exact evidence. You just have two people from two different walks of life looking at it, okay? And so the... The thing about flat earthers is they're looking at it from a what can I prove myself type mindset. And I actually believe that there is 
there are ways to prove that we don't live on a ball, that we're not spinning. And so in addition to my Bible, I, I also have these little pieces of evidences that I believe God has given us to show that like, hey, this is what the Bible says. This is the creation I made. And and these are your hints at it. So Okay, so it sounds like your your um, flat earth belief is in part uh, comes from your sort of biblical foundation. Sure. Have you always sort of felt that way or did there come a point no. where you... No, definitely not. I, so when I was growing up all the way until my late 20s, I thought the Bible and uh, religion, I called it, was for weak people that needed a crutch, right? They, they couldn't get through life without someone helping them. So I was as close to being an atheist without being an atheist as you possibly could. Like, I, I made fun of people. Um, I was a sports guy. Like, guys that, you know, won a game and thank God afterwards. I was like, man, I wonder if that guy thanks God after he loses. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, that's the kind of guy I was. Well, I started actually reading the Bible for myself in my in the late in my late 20s and started saying, like, whoa, like, this thing's way different than what I thought it was. I realized that all my perceptions of the Bible were just preconceived notions based on other people's opinions that probably hadn't read the Bible either. You know, there's a quote that says it's funny how the less the Bible's read, the more it's interpreted. Okay. And, and I believe that is 100% true. So when I started reading for myself, I started seeing that, wow, you can't read Genesis and believe it and believe in evolution. Like you just can't. And the age of the earth. Okay. The science says that it's billions of years old. Well, um, that's because they have to fit it into their evolutionary model. Like they have to have room for all these processes to take place. And I believe it's it's a deliberate attempt to discredit page one of the Bible. Okay, so I, I started researching things and saying like, hey, there's there's also creationist explanations for the things that we observe. Okay, and when I came into flat Earth, it was it was immediate because I'd been studying Genesis and I heard someone talk about it and they gave some scriptures and I was like, whoa, the Bible does kind of hint that this place is flat and not moving. And and then I went through the whole Bible and realized that yeah, cover to cover. The Bible is a flat earth book. When you read it literally, the Bible is a flat earth book. No doubt. All you have to do is Google Hebrew cosmology and look at the pictures. It's like a bunch of snow globes, which is kind of what I believe we live in. So, so no, it's, it's definitely of late. And the flat earth movement, combined with some of the tests and stuff that I've done, um, has only gotten me closer, uh, maybe read my Bible more. It's gotten me closer to God, literally, too, because I believe he's right above us. Okay, And, um, and also, you know, spiritually emotionally the whole thing so so like uh so the earth is flat is the sun flat or is the earth the only thing in the solar system that's flat or are there other things that are flat that's a very common question usually from someone that isn't hasn't done much research into what flat earthers typically believe um i want to say i wanted to hear it from you i've actually done some research but i i I want to take every person as if they're fresh okay great so there is an organization out there called the flat earth society that puts out this notion that we are on a flat disc floating through space which nobody here at this conference will agree with any of that we we believe that the flat earth society is an organization that's put out there by the opposition that's mixed with truth and easily debunkable claims to make us look silly, okay? Because that's the first place you're going to go when you look at Flat Earth, Flat Earth Society, okay? So just know that. But two, um, most Flat Earthers, if not all of us, believe that 
earth is it okay like we we live on a, uh, a flat circular earth okay like a pizza okay and the center of the pizza is the north pole okay and you can circumnavigate it east to west and west to east by doing circles around the north pole okay and the sun moon and stars rotate above us um, in a clockwise motion if you're looking down on it and it's all encapsulated in the firmament or the dome which is talked about in Genesis okay and throughout the Bible so the sun moon and stars are closer they're smaller okay I believe that Jupiter for example Jupiter's up there I can look at it in a telescope I can see the rings of Saturn okay but I don't believe it's a place that we can get on a rocket ship leave Earth and go land on I believe that is it, it flat um, I don't know I couldn't tell you. Um, the th- what? It is a light in the sky to me. Okay, and all of the enhanced high def images of Saturn come from NASA, and they're called images. There's a reason they're not called pictures. Okay, it's because they they usually describe them as composite things like that. I, I believe they're all you know doctored, um, but that, that's my belief. Are they actually taking images of Saturn, or are they completely fabricated? That, that's a great question. I think it's probably a combination of both. I know that with the most powerful telescope that I have, I can get a fairly good picture of Saturn. Looks like there's a red dot on there. Um, if, you, if you go throughout the years of, of NASA... You mean Jupiter? Yes, sorry, Jupiter, yes. Yeah, so um, if you go throughout the years of NASA, you'll see that they're producing image after image and really reusing a lot lot of stuff. Um, So I believe they're up there. I... I couldn't tell you if they're flat or spherical. I don't know if there's a way that I could personally be able to figure that out myself. Um, I guess so when it comes to companies that are that are maybe private, um, like SpaceX or, or United Launch Alliance, um, who might be sending back imagery, I guess, do you feel like they're sort of in on the, yeah. the same sort of thing as, as NASA, where they have some sort of compulsion or, or reason to, um, to try to convince us that the Earth is, is circular or, or a globe? And, and if so, what is that reason? Do you have a sense for that? Right. So I believe they're all part of the same deal. I believe I don't believe that we have space agencies and they lie. I believe that they were created to propagate the lie. Okay. So um, the the reason. Okay. If I read my Bible and it says in Romans uh, Romans one, it says that it says that we can get to know the invisible attributes of God through the study and appreciation of His creation. And because of that, man is without excuse in acknowledging God, okay? It says we can even get to know his eternal power by his creation, okay? So if that's the case, that we can get to know God through his creation, okay, that means his creation is going to speak of his relationship with us. Like, God here, man right directly beneath him, okay? Now, if... If that's the case, then of course there's going to be an evil agenda to dilute what that creation actually is, okay? And how do you dilute something? You pour it into something bigger, like infinite space, okay? And you teach people that they're just insignificant probabilities of an ever-expanding, potentially infinite universe. So I believe the point of all of it is to take power away from us, keep it in the hands of the elite, and um, and that's, that's a biblical mindset. If we want to go non-biblical, it's possible that if, if we don't really live on a ball, 
it's possible that they're hiding more land. Okay, it's possible that if we don't, you mean like beyond the ice wall, or yeah, 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 very possible, or in big gaps in the ocean that when you when you take a flat Earth and you wrap it around a sphere, that you know you have these little empty pockets of data. Okay, could be could be there, but if you want to talk about large masses, probably yeah, but beyond the ice wall, I think that. Probably the firmament comes down at the ice wall, the the dome, if you want to call it a snow globe. But it's possible that it comes down far beyond it. And if you get past the ice wall, that you maybe there are other civilizations out there even. Um, and I, and they're probably just like us. They may not know we exist. We may not know they exist. Or maybe that's the civilization that is keeping us contained and in slavery and things like that. You know possible. Are there any pieces of evidence that, that give you doubt or that um, that sort of make you scratch your head where maybe you haven't sort of fitted into to your worldview yet, um, but feel like you need to maybe do some research on them? Yeah, so when when researching flat Earth, there's there's like three categories of evidence. There's there's evidence that only works on a ball. There's evidence that only works on a flat Earth, and then there's evidence that works on both. Okay, and you'll find that 90% of all the stuff there's explanations on both. Okay, the big ones like sunset, sunrise, circumnavigation, not falling off the edge. There are easy explanations on why that can work on both. Okay, now I personally have not found anything that can only work on a ball, okay? And in fact, there's a lot of things that flat earthers have come up with that can't work on a ball that can only work on a flat earth, okay? I'll name one one giant example, okay? One giant example is the fact that we can see things farther away than we should be. One of the things that, that flat earthers have done is they've really adopted some of these high zoom uh, lenses, okay? And there's always the the, the common um, point of you know ships disappear from the bottom up as they sail away you know sailing over the curve well you get a high power lens you can bring that ship right back into view and that that has to do with perspective and the size of our eye we only have the ability to see so far so that ship is going to go beyond the horizon of our eye but you bring in a high powered lens which is a much bigger lens than your eye that ship comes right back into view now that you're that that's not pulling the ship back over the curve it is it's it can see farther than your eye can see and for a man that's six foot tall the the on a on a totally flat surface the max he can see without help from a lens is about three miles okay and and it's because it's it's due you know the way we see and basically like a cone um due to perspective and um you know there's there's a couple really big examples of of, sure yeah so what would you say to somebody that said that if the you use a zoom lens, but eventually the ship goes out of view entirely. And you, even if you had a bigger zoom lens, it's still, sure. you still sure. couldn't see it. What would you say to them? Right. So one problem about being on an ocean or being on a body of water is you have moisture in the air. And so, um, you know, like pilots, when they're in a plane, they can see very, very far because they're very, very high and the air is thinner up there. The lower you get to the ground, the thicker the atmosphere. It's why we can't stand on the shore of New York and look at London through a lens. And some days you could stand probably across the river and it's rainy and you can't see New York, you know? So, 
different days, different atmospheric conditions, eventually that ship, is, one, it's going to do the same thing to the camera lens that it did to your eye, but it's going to be much further when that happens. Okay, um, You're also dealing with a lot of atmosphere that you're looking through. So, so it would be like water vapor that would, yes. that would keep you from being able to see the ship? Yes, exactly right. Exactly right. <laughs> I don't know where I'm putting yeah, this thing. Right. Um, so what would you say to somebody uh, that brought well like, what's the great what's the biggest piece of evidence you've seen for a globe earth and what i'm sure you've discussed this with people who bring that evidence to you what would you say to them as far as you know here's why that's false or maybe here's why my position is true Let's see. I think one of the biggest ones, I mean, you've asked a lot of the big questions, but yeah, right. Um, I try. One of the biggest ones is um, people think star trails are an issue. Um, that, star trails? Yeah, the way that, so like if you take a time-lapse photography shot of the stars oh, at night, oh, yeah, they, they yeah, create they a circle. Move. Right. And and if you're in the northern hemisphere, they appear to be moving um, you know, one way. Southern hemisphere, they're moving another way. I mean, they're all moving east to west, but the, the inclination is that because they're curving a certain way on either sides of the equator it's they think we have two poles when in fact uh, the the difference is it's again it's it's due to perspective okay and if if people will study what perspective is and what that does to things that are uh, celestial ob- objects compared to terrestrial objects. When you say perspective, are you talking about relativity, like no, the Einsteinian? No, uh, no, I'm not talking about. I'm really speaking more of perspective, as in the the way things act when someone draws reality. Okay, a three D, a three D picture so like we could go stand out on that road okay and due to because we see in a perspective uh view we're looking at the street lights okay and the street lights are going to appear to get lower and lower as they get further away okay if we didn't see with perspective and all the street lights were the same height we wouldn't see that everything would look uh two-dimensional okay but because we see in 3d the further away those streetlights get, the lower they get. They're not shorter, right? It's just they're further away, so things are getting smaller. The the ground and the the sky are all coming to this horizon point, okay? The and vanishing. The vanishing point, yeah. that's correct. You learn that in art class right. or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. So you draw your line, right? And then you draw your triangle, which is going to be your road, yep. right? And then you start drawing your, your telephone lines. Um, that, that's exactly what it is. So I think if people understood that and could understand because people say well why doesn't the sun shrink well if the sun if the sun what do you mean why doesn't the sun shrink so so, they say that yeah so uh if you're if we're living on a ball people believe that the earth is spinning and that the sun is setting because the earth is spinning okay um if you're on a flat earth people believe the sun stays at the same height and and simply goes further away and people say well why is the sun set well as things get further away they get lower on the horizon and they say well why doesn't it shrink well the sun is a cele- is a celestial object it's above okay it's not terrestrial if if the sun was right here like where a car was and was driving away it would get smaller but because the sun is always already very far away you're not going to have much shrinkage as the sun uh, goes further away past the horizon now you will see some 
shrinkage. I've measured it on a very dry day. Shrinkage. Yeah, yeah. A good, a good Seinfeld episode, right? So you won't see that on me. Not not in this new. Uh, so uh, one study that I personally did was on a really dry day when uh, because as the sun gets closer to the horizon, you're looking through more and more water vapor, like we talked about, which right, is going right. to magnify it. Okay. Right. So, but on a really dry day, I I, I took a shot of a camera shot of the sun at noon and a camera shot at the sun at six and it was the winter so it was getting close to um, sunset and it was measurably smaller okay uh, which fits with the flat earth model not the ball earth model and so there's there's things like that where people will most people don't understand perspective and and no one's going to just go around studying perspective, like, just for fun, right? But, but it's integral to the understanding of why we can live on a flat Earth and not know it, okay? And the answer to that is because 500 years ago, nobody knew they lived on a spinning ball, right? They had to be told they were on a spinning ball flying through space. So for us to say you live on a flat Earth that's fixed and immovable, that aligns with a literal word of your scriptures, and coincides with everything you experience every day, and we get the pushback, I can't imagine what the pushback was 500 years ago and they're like no you're on a spinning ball flying through space you're spinning a thousand miles at the equator a thousand miles an hour at the equator going through space at you know 50,000 miles an hour around the sun 500,000 and the sun's moving at you know 500,000 miles an hour through the galaxy and the galaxy's moving at a million miles an hour like to me that's hard I, I couldn't imagine now today we have all these pictures and stuff right and it's proven but that's just you know that's like you have to believe it just like just like I said earlier, like we all have the same evidence, but we're not going to go up in a rocket. You have to believe someone when it comes to the shape of your world, okay? You can either believe NASA, okay, as an example, um, which if you do the research on NASA, there, there's a very occultic Nazi uh, roots to NASA. Nazis, Freemasons, magicians um, started right after World War II. Um, and or you can believe the Bible, it's literal reading and what we experience every day. So I think flat earth, whether it's true or not, it's going to give you a perspective of, of questioning something. And, and my content that I put out, flatworth.com, is um, my ultimate goal is not to get people to accept my, my view of the shape of the earth, but it's to get them to question and just think. You know, So many people passively absorb everything that, that they're fed as opposed to actively pursue. And that can go with anything. They can go for relationships, uh, business ventures, but mostly truth, right? And and my big deal is, like, I believe there's good and evil in this world, and I, I believe the cover-up is an evil cover-up, and that in your pursuit of truth, you need to understand that. Okay. So, um, I guess I guess just one other sort of random thing. Um, NASA. Have you spoken to people who have worked for NASA? And um, I guess what have you learned from them about sort of at least their take on it um and do you feel like they're sort of part of the cover-up or independent yeah so so my perspective there i have spoken with some people that work at nasa i haven't spoken with any astronauts okay so i haven't spoken with someone who would have actually had to have been in on the lie okay but i'll give you an example so just real quick so did people go to space or not is that part of the lie so i don't i don't i believe we can go high up Okay, I don't believe that you can get to quote unquote space. Okay, can you go to the moon? I don't believe the moon is a rock that you can land on. I believe the moon is smaller. I believe it may not even be a physical object. Okay, but 
something interesting about the moon is that the moon puts off cold light. The sun puts off warm light. Okay, if the moon was reflecting the light of the sun, it would be putting off the same light. The moonlight is measurably cold. In fact, in um, at night, you can go, you can measure with a thermometer. It's actually warmer in the shade at night than it is outside the shade, which is the opposite in the day. It's the freakiest thing you'll ever look into. So, no, I don't believe I don't believe we went to the moon. I don't believe you can go to the moon. And, and like I said, like I believe it's all smaller, closer, and inside this enclosure. I don't know that there is a place of zero gravity that you can get to. Okay. But if it's in the firmament, the moon, why can't you go to it? I, I don't think that it's necessarily... Like, if the moon is where it is, okay, and... And essentially, it's upside down compared to us. And I don't believe, like, it's a place where gravity is going to stick you to it. I don't think it's a place where you can land. It may even be a projection of, from somewhere else. I know that's like... So it might not be real? or It might be, it might be like, you know, like a rainbow. Like, you couldn't get to the rainbow. I believe the sun may be like that. I haven't made up my mind on the moon yet. So, but as far as NASA goes... Yes. Yeah, no, that's okay. I mean, yeah. dude, we could derail forever on this topic, you know, so... Uh, especially because I like talking about it. But so NASA, um, I'll give you an example uh, in my job. So um, one of the things I did for a long time was I was an estimator for a commercial construction company. And I worked for a construction company, but I didn't swing a hammer. I didn't lay tile. I plugged numbers into an Excel spreadsheet. Okay. We built jobs. I'm from Fort Worth, but we built jobs, Austin, San Antonio, Houston. I've never gone to see those jobs. I'm assuming they're real jobs. Okay. I'm assuming we built them. People are living in them. Um, but I I really don't know for sure. I would have to go touch it to, to really know for sure. I believe that 99% of people at NASA are just like that. They're doing their job honorably. They they think they're doing something great for humanity. Okay, and I believe that they are genuine people. Okay, I believe that there is there is one percent, and this numbers are not to scale. I'm just using them as an example. One um, percent of people probably know there is some kind of deception going on, that they're covering up the fact that they're not going to space, okay? But they don't they don't think they're covering up the shape of the earth, okay? They could they could have an astronaut come in and say, look, and I think about it in my job, if someone came to me and said, hey, we want you to pretend like you're working for a construction company, we want you to price these jobs that are overseas, but we're not actually going to build them. We're going to use that money to go fight terror and protect this country, keep you and your children safe. I'd sign up for that uh, before. I would have signed up for that because that's something I could do for this country. I believe that a lot of people in that, they're like, look, it's cheaper for us right now to pretend we're going to space. We've been there before. It exists. Um, but we don't want to – we want the next generation of kids to grow up thinking that we're going there. Okay? And so we want your duty to take to your grave that we're actually not going there. Okay? We're going to go there again. We've been there before, but we're not doing it right now. Now – that to me is something that if I was an astronaut, I could get behind, you know, and say if I believed it, you know, in my heart that, but I wouldn't know that we would be covering up the fact that we're not living on a spinning ball, you know. Um, and then I believe that there is a, a small percentage and that percentage that has to know, you know. We were talking to a guy outside and he had mentioned 500 years ago that people didn't know or, or, or that they didn't, I guess he said they didn't know. That's when they first started saying that the Earth was a sphere. Mm-hmm. Um, where did that number come from? Because I, he had said 500, and then you mentioned 500, and I, I'd heard it around. So what, 
I think generally we say 500 because that roughly goes back to like Christopher Columbus and that old argument of like falling off the edge. Um, but I believe people were talking about the notion that we were on a ball possibly before the year zero. Okay. Um, that's if you believe the history books and things like that. Um, I think, I think there has been flat earthers throughout even like I think this movement today is has gotten bigger because of the internet, but I believe there's always been flat earthers because you can you can go read books from guys written in the early 1900s and things like that. I believe there's always a push, especially in the church, of guys saying like, "No, this is what we measure here. Don't believe their lies." And there's a quote by Max Planck. It says, "A scientific truth will never triumph by convincing its opponents and making them see the light, but its opponents eventually die, and a new generation grows up that's familiar with it." And I believe when I talked about earlier about having to tell someone they were on a spinning ball, I believe the only way to do that is to start with a globe in the classroom at, you know, at age five and, uh, and have kids growing up never doubting it. You know? And because the notion of you and I sitting here, unless we drink too much beer, we're not going to feel this place spin, right? So I think... That would be a lot of beer. Right. Yeah, right, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm a professional. Yeah, I'm a professional, right. <laughs> I, I've seen me do it. <laughs> so... I think that would have been a tough argument for people of like our age, for example, to swallow if someone was telling that, especially if we had a literal biblical worldview. And, and so the only thing that makes sense to me is that they, they started propagating it at the young ages because it's easier, it's easier to grow a, someone who believes in the ball than it is to probably convince them at that time. You know, now it's it's really hard to to even talk to someone about flat Earth without them like getting guarded and, and thinking it's dumb. I believe there's a lot more to it than just the notion of the shape of the Earth. I believe it's it's like I said, I believe it's it's a pursuit of truth, and I think ultimately the people in this movement, while a lot of them are very married to the shape of the Earth being flat, I think it's there's an underlying pursuit of truth there that that all these people here all share in common and all love about each other. So So right off the bat, Matthew gives us a lot to laugh about. He is a flat earth minister of sorts and i love how right away he says uh it's the craziest thing you can you can believe in and you need to figure out a way to tell your you know family about it because of course you have to evangelize to people you can't just be flat earth in your head you have to be flat earth outside of your head too to the rest of the world you have to indoctrinate them into your belief so a lot to a lot to get right away from matt which i thought was a really that what a punch to the face when you're talking to somebody uh and they come out out of the gate saying what i'm about to say is complete insanity matthew's use of the word scientism is very telling here uh, if you're familiar with arn Ra and his work on the foundational falsehoods of creationism and i highly 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 recommend that book to you the foundational falsehoods of creationism he also has a youtube series his name's arn Ra, a-r-o-n-r-a uh, and he he describes the fundamentalist christian specifically creationist movement and how they use this word scientism, which is a made up word, and they use it to describe folks that believe, you know, in science. Now, 
Matt takes a very interesting aspect of fundamentalist Christianity and creationism and, you know, obviously uh, translates the Bible as a flat earth book, but listen to his criticisms of scientism. Go back and listen to it again now that you've heard it and hear me breaking, you know, talking about it. Go back and listen to it again, just the scientism part. This is the sort of demon that is creationist Christianity. This is what they're going to try to do. They are going to try to discredit and discount science. You heard Nathan do it in the first three interviews of the season. You've heard now Matt doing the same thing. And in place of that, they're going to try to sell you the ignorance peddled in this book, the the Christian Bible. Uh, So a very interesting telling moment also. So (laughs) one of the ways that Matthew turns out to be a lot like Nathan is that because of insecurity in his belief system and his position, he has to immediately somehow try and elevate himself intellectually above the person that he's speaking to. So you'll notice that during the interview, when I ask him, uh, you know, is the sun flat then or is it just the earth? He goes, uh, right. Well, see, that's a real common question. It's usually from a person that hasn't really done the research like I have on what it is flat earthers believe and blah, blah, blah. He starts, he starts trying to make me sound ignorant, right? Ironically. I mean, laughably, ironically. So he has to try right away to do something. Now, if you'd list, if you had listened to the interviews with Nathan, the fundamentalist Christian from episodes one, two, and three of season two, you would have heard some very similar type of sort of snarky, cunty uh, accusations thrown at me from him. Now, this is just sort of for fun, right? I'm just pointing this out. This is uh, something they have in common, but it's something you're going to hear from people people who have steeped themselves in ignorance. On some level, they know that they're ignorant and you can demonstrate that to them. They're definitely going to demonstrate it to you when you ask them anything about anything. So for some reason, they know, somehow they know that they're ignorant and they want to try and get an upper hand on you. Nathan did it. Matthew did it. Just another interesting little tidbit to take away from this, that this is the kind of thing you can expect from the religious. Yet another uh, thing that Matthew and Nathan have in common is they take at least part of the Bible as literal. Matthew here takes the whole thing as literal, at least he claims to, and that's why he believes in flat earth. Nathan took the part of the Bible that was literal as Adam and Eve and the fall of man. Now, look at what this leads to out in the real world. If you take the Bible literally, in Matthew's case, you're going to think the earth is flat. And when you build your worldview, when you build your 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 understanding of what's happening on a faulty foundation, on a false a false foundation, foundation, i.e. that the Bible says the earth is flat, therefore it's flat, there's no end to just how stupid your answers are going to be. He goes on to say, you know, that we're on a spinning disc that looks like a pizza. Or no, sorry, we're on a stationary disc that looks like a pizza. And all the other celestial bodies we see are just a part of the firmament, just like the Bible says. And when asked, well, what is Saturn then? Or what are the planets? And what are stars? He, he says, I don't know. They're just lights in the sky. Well, listen to the poverty of language there. There are lights in the sky. One syllable per word. Each of those words was probably invented very, very early in our history of language. Lights, sky. These are these are some of the first words that we would have conceptualized. Let's take that example and then let's juxtapose that to what a star actually is. A star is a gigantic collection of accreted gas molecules and atoms that are so dense and heavy that they have 
crushed down so much gravity and created so much pressure at the, at the center of this globular accretion that those atoms have ignited into essentially like a plasma and have caused a nuclear reaction. That nuclear reaction is perpetually pushing outward while the gravity is pulling inward. The nuclear reaction is why we see the fusion of hydrogen atoms specifically, is why we see light from stars. Eventually that star, the nuclear reaction, all of those particles, all of those atoms are going to stop igniting in a nuclear reaction because they're going to run out of nuclear energy. And as we know from science, that will happen when the star starts cramming all those atoms together into iron. See, one of the things that that star is doing is it's creating helium and carbon and other elementary particles, other things that we see on the periodic table, elements, right, due to this nuclear fusion. Well, once it creates an element named iron, the star will start to die. Listen to the richness of that language. Nuclear explosion, globu globular, or maybe globular is not the right word, but accretion, right? Listen to the poverty of language in contrast. It's a light in the sky. <laughs> That's what you have to be if you're a flat earther. Essentially, a caveman, somebody who knows like eight words. Woman, go there, food mouth, right? <laughs> like, And then compare that then to what Nathan was telling us about his literal understanding of the Bible, that the fall of man is what led us to the knowledge of good and evil, and that good and evil just arise in us. Now, granted, Nathan's words are a little bit more eloquent, but when asked, well, how do we figure out which is moral between a person that claims that one action is moral and another person that claims that that action is immoral, how do we tell the difference? We get nothing. He says very plainly, I don't want to think about that. I don't want to have to do that calculation. What a poverty of language that is. What a poverty of thought. Really, you don't want to? And this is really funny because in the example of Nathan, the original statement that he made at the beginning of the very first interview was these types of calculations in our mind are the most important that you can engage in in your lifetime. This is what humanity is all about. It's about understanding these intellectual calculations. But when we actually get down to the arithmetic, when we actually get down to how do we know? Nothing. A complete poverty of language. No thought whatsoever. This is how you, this is what happens when you believe in the Bible literally. And this is the same mental problem that both of these gentlemen are running into, just on a different topic. Now, luckily for Matthew, uh, if you believe in flat earth, you're basically irrelevant in society. And the vast, vast majority of society treats you as such, unless you're a Trump voter, QAnon type, you know, cultish person. If you believe in these weird things that you can't demonstrate, that you can't support with evidence and reason, then you have to feel at least some compassion for somebody like Matthew, for somebody like Nathan, even if they're not speaking in ways that make sense to you, even if what their conclusions are don't make sense. And if you're one of those folks, you probably think you're open-minded because you allow Matthew to have his truth and Nathan has his truth and this QAnon freak to have their truth and so on and so on. And that's open-minded. Well, not really. It's not open-minded, is it? What's open-minded is to accept reality for what it is and to change your mind based on what you find there. Now, we talked earlier about whether or not these people even have the capacity to think rationally. We're going to get to that in later episodes. But there, I just wanted to plant that flag. I asked Matthew, so if the moon is in the firmament, uh, then why can't we go to it? And he just sort of hops around. It's like, well, maybe it's a, maybe it's a projection. Maybe it's not even real. Maybe it's like the, uh, maybe it's like the rainbow, uh, uh, you know, but I don't think it's like a thing that you can actually go to that has gravity that you could, you would stick to it, blah, 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 right? Like, listen to how desperately they're just 
grabbing, you know, clutching at straws, clutching and trying to navigate their way through this. The the thinky part of their brain or the thinky part of their body just doesn't work. It doesn't work. The same exact type of answer is what you get from Nathan when you ask him, well, how do you know the difference between the two? And it's, you know, this moral thing or this immoral thing. How do you know which is which? You get nothing. Well, it says so in the Bible. Click. <laughs> now, if you happen to be one of those folks that believes in that, I would love for you. I would love for you to email me so that we can talk about it further. Now, I had mentioned in a previous podcast that I was going to publish my email, and here I am about to do that. So, if you would like to email the show and talk to me specifically, you can do so at earseductionpodcast at gmail.com. That's earseductionpodcast at gmail.com. Please send in your letters of praise, your um, where I can get money, all kinds of good things uh, should be coming my way thanks to these efforts and your response to them. Also, questions, concerns, episodes you'd like to hear, uh, anything like that. Uh, I am going to be uh, putting together a book uh, and I'm going to be publishing that. And so I'm probably going to set up something where you can get on a mailing list. Uh, Be on the lookout for that. Um, You can go to earseduction.com and there you'll find my website and more information about the podcast and previous episodes and so on. Thank you so much for listening and uh, please tune in for the next episode of Ear Seduction. Bye.